You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 169 of the Comic Book Informer podcast, coming to you on May 22nd. A little late, but uh, who cares? Uh, how you doing this week, Raj? It was my fault this time. <laughs> I'm just saying it was my fault this time. I'm not interested in pointing fingers in any particular direction, but uh, you know, if you feel the need to fall on your sword, be my guest. Well, there you go. All right. Well, this week we're going to talk about Marvel's new Ultimate lineup, which God, is this the third time they've relaunched the whole line. Maybe even fourth at this point. I think third. Yeah, because I, I know they relaunched after Ultimatum, but I I want to say there is one more in the middle, but I don't know. I think it might that might have just had to do with the uh, the relaunch of Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles. I don't think that was part of a line wide relaunch. But anyway, <laughs> before we get into that, you mentioned you had just recently read through. All of Cataclysm. All of the things, yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts because to be perfectly honest, like I read them more. I didn't even read all of them, but I read like the main series and the Spidey stuff as it was coming out. And with the exception of like one or two things, I can't even remember what happened at this point. <laughs> to be honest, when I read it as it was coming out, I didn't read all of it. And at one point, I point blank stopped. And um, it just – it was hard to get into – just because it was so disjointed and you had everybody running around because the event as a whole is just this, you know, shit's gone bad. And I'll believe that. It, it's just tons of everything going on everywhere. And so it's not that it was difficult to follow so much as I found that it was just, it, it just felt, again, disjointed. And it's hard to feel invested in it. Now, now as a whole... Point blank because of what you just said at the start, because of how many reboots now, it's hard to be invested in the Ultimates universe. So, yes, we were invested with the death of Spider-Man, but that was – that's above and beyond. I mean that's that's really that's an the iconic one thing in character. the Ultimate universe that's been worth investing in. Yeah, so that one there, okay, I, I buy that, that. And obviously we did when we read it. But, I mean, case in point here, Cap dies – and it's like, man, I really don't care. There's no investment whatsoever. I, I could care less. Now that said, though, the event when read altogether was actually still good, and, and not just good. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. There were parts that were not as good, obviously, which is to be expected. Some of the writing was not always um, cohesive with the other writing. Because you had different writers working on different series, so it's bound to happen. We see it all the time. But as a whole, like, I mean, again, not without its flaws, but it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. And there were parts that I quite enjoyed. So so moving forward then into the, the, the relaunch, um, it, it, it does help to a certain degree. Although, with the exception of the new Ultimates, there's not really that much carrying forward that matters all that much. I mean, looking mm -hmm. forward to the conversation we'll have now with FF and whatnot, whether you really read Cataclysm or not, it's not really needed. Whereas the stuff with the the new Ultimates with Miles and, and uh, Cloak and Dagger and stuff, like 
that there if you read through the cataclysm and really saw the crap that they had to go through, then it's like really cool, especially when you're seeing the stuff with Kitty in there as well. And she's having a problem, you know, because she's feeling overwhelmed by everything. When you read cataclysm and you saw what happened and what she did, it's like, okay, I buy it. It was, it was a cool moment for her. And, and I'm looking forward to her getting back into her, you know, the swing of thing herself. Yeah, so that leads us right into All New Ultimates, uh, written by Michael Fife, art by Emil Carpina and Nolan Woodard. And I actually really like what they're doing here in that we've had so many incarnations of the Ultimates for, what is it, 12 years now, I think the Ultimate Universe has been in. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's always been the same concept of the Avengers, but, you know, different, you know, more extreme or, you know, whatever. And a lot of the times it really hasn't worked. Like those characters are so iconic that when you make just a small change to them, it doesn't work quite as well than if you just go, you know, whole hog and you want to do a completely different universe of those characters. We've seen that worked. But when it's still Captain America being Captain America, but mean or Iron Man, like it, a lot of the ultimate stuff just really never gelled for me. But I really like that they took this team that we loved so much in Ultimate Spider-Man and is really bringing them to the forefront of the line. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do here because, I mean, Spider-Man, the now Black Widow, no longer Spider-Woman, as you said, Kitty has some interesting stuff going on. We still have Bombshell around as well as Cloak and Dagger. I mean, I really want to see what they can do now that they have their own storyline separate from the Spider-Man book. I agree. I I agree. I really had a hard time getting into the Ultimates before, and I to the point of just not enjoying reading the characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just that they were, you know, quote unquote, lesser versions of the originals. They just I didn't like them. I didn't enjoy their stories. So this being the the completely new team and people that we we do like like. We enjoy stories with Jessica Drew, and she was one of the characters before the the reboot that was still a lot of fun to read because you know she's she's someone that is important in the canon for miles now and helps him out and keeps him on the straight and narrow also has the tie in to Peter, which is important for you know the people who still need that. That not that character, you know, but that that lifeline to Peter in, in mm-hmm. what they're reading. But she's also just a kick-ass character. I mean, taking control of this team. It's not Miles running this crew; it's her, really. And and being the the agent to Shield and how she how she talks to Shield before during Cataclysm and putting people in their place and saying, "Okay, fine, I'm a fired. No, then I'm." I'm heading up the investigation here and working on <laughs> and all this stuff. So, and then of course, Cloak and Dagger. Well, I've loved those guys forever, and we've been wanting to see a series where they can be used effectively. And they're not all that different here than the straight up canon, and I'm okay with that. Just because mm-hmm. they don't have to be, just explore what they can do and who they are as characters, and and run with it. And I'm really looking forward to that. And one of the 
interesting things about this, you know, with them being the new team of ultimates, I think it's a really smart decision not to immediately throw them in there with, you know, Kang or Ultron or, you know, your traditional Avengers level villain. But they're letting the story grow very organically from their street level roots, you know, having them dealing with, you know, the serpent skulls, some sort of amalgamation of, you know, the red skulls lieutenants and the serpent society which yeah as a group they're pretty impressive but you know on their own they're not really a-level villains but at the same time we don't really have a whole lot of a-level heroes here so letting them grow from that street level team that they currently are into really being worthy of you know the headlining team of the ultimate universe that has something that has me really excited to see i agree i agree completely uh on the artwork side i I felt the art was decent. I mean, there were some, but like oh, the scenes with uh, Jessica and Kitty, like that the faces were just like really awkward and some of that stuff. But like the action scenes actually came out pretty well, I thought. I'm not a fan of this artwork. I... It, it's decent. I, it, yeah. It's especially considering that we've always had really good art across the ultimate line. This is, this is. I don't want to say the low point, but it's not anywhere close to the top. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it is that the the faces are jacked, and there's there's not enough detail in a lot of them. Yes, either. a lot of it seemed very plain. Yeah, it's very much a someone used the fill fill tool in Photoshop, did the lines filled. And then that was it. Maybe a stroke for a shadow or light. Like some panels got more attention than others, but a lot of them you're looking at and saying that's literally they use the fill tool in Photoshop and it's done. Yeah, you where you have like especially Bombshell, her you know her entire costume is the exact same color with the exception of you know the little bits around her neck or what have you. Like it's all the same uniform purple. But like, and on the other hand, there's some good stuff like. Some of the coloring stuff that they're doing with cloak and dagger, I think, is working really well. But uh, overall, it's it's iffy. Yeah. And at the same time, what the hell is Black Widow wearing? Oh, you mean the freaking parka thing? The, the <laughs> vest? It's parka like somebody vest? looked at Scarlet Spider and went, we can do worse. <laughs> I see. That's the one thing, too, that I'm actually not crazy about, that she went for Black Widow because mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit at all kind of thing and it's one of those things again where you know that they're trying to tie in the ultimates universe to the regular so they're using the same names for a bunch of stuff instead of just being original and i would have much preferred her changing to something original than taking black widow to me it just doesn't fit yeah, I can understand from a character motivation of her wanting to grow beyond, you know, what she was before. She doesn't want to be Spider-Woman anymore, you know, the, the second-tier spider character. Wants to grow into something more than that. And, yeah, I absolutely agree. There's any number of different directions they could have gone with that it would have been better because Black Widow just does not fit that character at all. No. All right, moving into Ultimate FF, written by Joshua Hale Flauf... Flauf- him. <laughs> That's staying in <laughs> Art by Mario Guevara, Tom Grummet, Juan Velasco, and Rochelle Rosenberg. And You want to talk about bad uh, art? <laughs> yeah, the it? art on this is <laughs> Sorry, painful. But... It's just, it's not good. I mean, it, like, the, the actual line art is bad, but man, like, just from a design standpoint, these costumes are awful. Like, the purple is just 
it's a bad color to go with for a team to begin with. It's just, it's not even an exciting purple. It's a boring, like lavender almost. And (laughs) it's not just that. I mean, it's, it's things as simple as when you're looking at, I don't know how many pages in this is, it's not very far. When you see Colson with the two robots, okay. And he's looking at all the pictures and he's, for some reason he's wearing a Cyclops glasses, (laughs) which makes no sense whatsoever. But look at the size of the headset he's wearing. It's like from the freaking 80s attached to a cell phone the size of a brick. (laughs) There's all these little nuances like that everywhere where you're going, what the hell was this guy thinking when he drew this? And as much as we just complained about the Black Widow costume, that is high fashion compared to what the hell they do with the Falcon. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, he looks like a bad pro wrestler from the 80s. Well, (laughs) camouflage pants, brown boots, black T-shirt, armor plating over his chest that's blue with purple straps, (laughs) red wings and blue gloves and a purple hat. It's not even a helmet or a faceplate. It's. It's like it wants to be a bandana, but it's not. It's just, yeah. This was something that he pieced together from crap he picked up at the Salvation Army in the bin outside. It's it's terrible. Yeah, it's like I said, the design is bad, but the execution of that design is is also not any better. Well, so is Iron Man's outfit. I mean, geez, there are few things as iconic as Iron Man's suit. I, remember, I looked at the cover and I went, oh, who's that? Yeah, exactly. If you show me a cover with Iron Man on it, I should be able to go, that's Iron Man. Yeah, yeah no, it's terrible. And like the line shading, it was like this guy went through to the, the Rob Leafield School of Art Design because you look at Doom at the end too with the line shading, crosshatch line shading for the costume and you're like, oh my God. And that arm is too short. And what's with that pose? And where are the feet? <laughs> well, remember, Ultimate Doom has satyr legs. So he has goat. He has. Go- he literally has goat feet. Yeah. So you can draw Doom's leg feet poorly, and it actually kind of works. Yeah, but I mean, look through the panels, and I don't want to. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Can't make me. <laughs> On top of that, I, I read this thing twice, and I still don't know what's going on. It's, you know what's worse? Did you read two? No. I did. <laughs> no. Okay. I read two and the oh my god. There's like no transition between one and two. There's no like it, they're they're in different areas, there's different thing things going on. It it seems like it, it, it just none of it makes sense. And then you're looking at the what's going on afterwards you find out and you're like okay well i get that they're bouncing between portals that are open but this was not a a smooth transition this was not well handled see and it's funny reading through the first issue because it's really all built around the reveal at the end and it's like it's funny i was reading it and i was like okay it was kind of a, a, a cleverly pulled off gag of making everybody think it's reed richards and only to have it be dr doom but and you know I love Doom. You know he's my favorite villain. But it was immediately destroyed by my memories of 
just how awful a character the ultimate version of Doctor Doom is. Like, did you actually read any of the original Ultimate Fantastic Four stuff? Some, but not all. Yeah, it's it was just not very impressive at all. Well, I, and that's part of the reason why it stopped because yeah. it was hard to get into. I mean, it was even hard to get into the X Men for a while and you know you're doing something wrong when you can't even hold our interest with x-men so f- <laughs> the fantastic four didn't have a open hell I, I i just remembered like and i was excited for it too because i at that time i wasn't really all that interested in the actual fantastic four but like man it was and the doom is just it, that's not dr doom like i'm willing to accept so many different interpretations of characters but it's Dr. Freaking Doom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I have a high standard for that character. Yeah, he's more like himself in issue two, and which isn't to say, you know, exactly the same, but he he is more like his traditional self in the second issue. But that that being said, I still did not enjoy the second issue at all. Like, I mean, we don't need to go over it, but there were so many points where I was saying, well, that's stupid. Well, that's terrible. That doesn't make sense. What the hell is going on? So it was, I am not reading anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not not on my radar for the foreseeable future at all. And seriously, the cover of Ultimate FF1, oh my God. I'm talking about <laughs> the one by McCone. It... I'm sorry, but I looked at that and I thought this is a cover that you would see from an independent, you know, creator own thing. It, and which, and I want to put those people down because some of their covers are awesome. But man, you look at this and you're thinking, this is horrible. Like the art inside was bad. The cover is worse. And they, they don't even look the same as the characters inside. <laughs> see, it's interesting because yeah, the ultimate stuff has always been. Like kind of like the minor leagues for Marvel, it's where they bring in you know some of their new guys and let them you know really stretch their wings and show what they can do. And I don't know if the talent pool's oh. starting to shrivel up or if they just made some bad calls. I don't know. That Ben is doing. Oh yeah, Ben will be there stuff. until the day he yeah, dies. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know that I'd say that, but. Which shows that. But the, I mean, but you, you look back when the Ultimate Line launched. You know, who was Brian Bendis in two thousand two? Mm-hmm. You know, who was Mark Millar? You know, who was anybody that was working on that stuff? And even throughout that, when they brought in, uh, you know, Joshua Fikov, uh, Jonathan Hickman, uh, Nick Spencer, uh, Brian Wood, a lot of the guys, uh, Dennis Hopeless, a lot of the guys they've had that are now, you know, major factors in the mainline books, their, their starts at Marvel came through the Ultimate line. Right. All right. And that brings us to the final one of Miles Morales, the Ultimate Spider-Man. And they are intent and making the, the the collecting and the just the total discussion of their ultimate line as difficult to, and complicated to do as possible because god <laughs> there's no reason for that yeah that said though uh written still by Brian Michael Bendis carrying through with the art from David Marquez and Justin Ponsor this is not even close to a reboot it's basically just oh we're launching everything else so let's give Spidey a new number 1 because it's the same stuff we've been loving for years. This is the only thing that gives me hope. <laughs> really, like, <laughs> the Ultimates was fun to read, and I'm enjoying it, mainly because it's got, again, some characters that I really love. But in terms of, like, just pure good writing, this was phenomenal. 
So this is again, it shows the strength of characters, the 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 that you could have these story arcs that the characters are what are are who are important, not the superheroes. Like there's there's so much here that was absolutely fantastic. You know, I actually need to go back and specifically with the Miles stuff and see how much time in the comics he's actually spent in costume. Really? Because yeah. there has not been a lot of it. But you got to wonder how conscious a decision that was for Bendis. It, it must have been because, like you said, there's so much of it. Hell, even a lot of the time that he's in costume, the mask is off. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's Bendis recognizes that for us to get emotionally invested in this character, especially taking into consideration how invested we were in Peter, that we need to feel what he feels. We need to see him. We need to have those moments where we are feeling that we understand what he's going through and we can relate to him, not to the superhero. And he does that so well that, again, this was this was phenomenal for a number of reasons to the point of when we get to the reveal at the end, I'm thinking they they better not be phasing him out. Like there better not be a chance in hell no, that he becomes no second tier because at this point he is so important to the Ultimates universe. Yeah, there will be actual riots if they go that direction. Yeah, but you look at the com this first issue as a whole, and like there's so much like. Big stuff that happens in this one issue. You have, you know, Norman Osborn showing back up again. You have all the stuff going on in his personal life. You have the reveal at the end, which I'm legitimately not going to ruin for anybody. <laughs> and any one of those things could have been its own first issue. And what's so great about it is it's not like an, oh my God, it's Norman Osborn. It's, oh my God. How is this going to affect Miles? Like, we care more about Miles than we do about Spider-Man at this point, and that is definitely a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, this was a fantastic first issue. Like you said, it's not really a first issue, but I think that Bendis looked at it enough as a first to really put people up to date if they've missed anything, but in a way that... It wasn't just recapping everything that's been going on so much as showing all of the different facets of his life right now, how he's dealing with both the costume and life without the costume and, you know, getting advice from people like MJ, all of these things happening that put people up to date while still giving us who've been reading all along a phenomenal issue. So again, freaking Bendis is masterful at doing this kind of stuff and it shows this when you break down the issue from a writing standpoint solely when you break it all down it's it's freaking brilliant in everything that it accomplishes for a first issue mm -hmm. and Genki is still oh, a great character I, I love that kid hey, don't hurt Genki yeah. <laughs> I'm just foreseeing like Gwen Stacy scenarios with him now and I'm not I don't think so <laughs> I don't think so I think that Bendis recognizes that he's become a fan favorite kind of thing I don't think he's going anywhere in fact I think that my call is at some point 
something's going to happen to Genki to either allow him to be a sidekick of some sort, like costume at all. Something's going to happen, either an oracle thing or a costume or something's going to propel him into the, the actual, you know, some semblance of a limelight as well. Make him the new Madam Web. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. <laughs> Altogether, though, I mean... Two out of three, uh, I'll, I'll call that a, a small-scale success for the new Ultimate line. But, I mean, one of those is kind of cheating because Spider-Man has been great for over a decade now. But still liking what they're doing with the all-new Ultimates and could not care less about the Ultimate FF. But that's what's so fun about comics. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, man, again, we've loved the Ultimates universe for a while now, taking into consideration some of the series that we didn't like there was still enough strength with the ones that we did like that it was worth reading and that's what's still happening mm-hmm. what now that i'm thinking of it because i know when i read it you hadn't at the time did you finally go back and read ultimate spider-man 200 jesus i don't i don't remember now <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have the one where they all got together at aunt may's house I don't know, dude. It was, I've been so, it was so, so good. I just want to make. I just want to make sure you actually read that. I will. Point. I will. I. I know I have it. Now that you mention it, I'm trying to remember if I have actually dug it out and read it. I'll have to check. Okay. Well, when you're editing this episode, you can remind yourself. Yeah, I will. Well, as for the things we're actually reading this week, it's actually been a few weeks since I talked about regular monthly comics with all the other stuff I've been bringing up, and so there's a couple cool things. First of all, original sin. The, the new big Marvel event with the death of the Watcher. And through the first issue, I, I'm really liking what they're doing here. They're, it's a big, impactful story, of course, with the Watcher dying. But the scenario that they're setting up of all the things that the Watcher has seen over the years, all the secrets that people are keeping are now potentially going to come out. And from a storytelling standpoint that has me really excited, not to mention the way it's being told as like almost a straight film noir detective story is definitely a change of pace from the traditional event comic. And if Jason Aaron can keep up that storytelling aspect, I'm really excited about the future of this. I have them. I haven't read them yet. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen uh, the the first tie-in was uh, Avengers number 29. And they're not messing around. Like if <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going to be happening in a lot of these comics over the next couple months. And as a reader, I'm really excited. Cool. Uh, additionally, we have Moon Knight. Uh, third issue I read recently, actually. And I'm just really enjoying it. Like what Warren Ellis is doing here, you know, he has a really complex character in Mark Spector. But he's not telling a complex story. He's not, he's not coming right out of the gate with this incredible you know, story arc and the first three issues have been pretty much just self-contained stories and I've enjoyed it. It's, you know, just pick up a comic, read it and be satisfied and not have to worry about backstory and not have to worry about what's coming up next. I appreciate that approach and especially issue two. Uh, God, I forget who's doing the art on this. I think it's uh, Declan Shelby. I think it is. Yeah. Declan Shelby. That was a very artistic intensive issue and the storyline was told almost exclusively through the artwork it was phenomenal like that was one of the best single issue comics i've read in recent memory 
I read the first one. I haven't read the second one yet. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Magneto. God, they are taking some chances on this comic. I'm actually behind <laughs> on that one. They are not pulling any punches. Like they're not trying to treat Magneto as this anti-hero or somebody we're supposed to relate to. He is just like a straight up villain. <laughs> it's just killing people and the way with his internal monologue of he knows he should be trying to do the right thing and just how he's succumbing to his baser urges at every time and building on the things that make Magneto such an interesting character of the things he's experienced in his lifetime and how he knows he should be a better person but instead he's just paying the misery and suffering forward throughout his life and it's just fantastic stuff like I was not expecting them to go so fully in that direction right out of the gate I already told you I'm behind. I got nothing more to say. <laughs> okay. I really like it, but yeah, I'm behind. I got nothing to add. <laughs> so what did you read, Roger? Dude, if you I got lots, okay. First of all, before I even get started with the first one I'm going to talk about, which is Chew, did you get the IDW email talking about the Chew tabletop game that's coming out? <laughs> I want it. Did you, did you read it, though? Seriously? I, I didn't actually like look through, but I... It exists. I have Frick, to have it. It looks awesome. I, you need to move up to Canada because I ain't moving down to Florida. No way in hell. Listen, we're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle. Just so nah, that we can play some of these games. Because I saw that and I said, I would so play the crap out of that with you. That would be a blast. But yes. So, uh, Chew, number 41. Uh, did you read it? Remind. I know I read it. I'm just kind of blanking at the moment. Um, that's where they go to the FDA convention, and there's the uh, getting yes, married okay. by Elvis, <laughs> and he has to go for the. That's the one that has the two page spread with Poyo versus Unisaurus Rex, <laughs> the pink dinosaur with the rainbow coming out. <laughs> I'm using that as a background. <laughs> I can only imagine, like, in the script, when Layman sends it out, there's just a blank spot that goes, two-page spread of Poyo. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Guillory has to just come up with something. Rob just kind of goes, yes! <laughs> Sorry this issue is two months late, but that was a great two-page spread. It was spread. worth it. Yeah. It, you know what? We say it every time. It, it just literally never disappoints. There has not been a single issue of Chew that I was disappointed in. There's there's not even like a few pages that I'm disappointed in. Nothing. Start to finish is always, always absolutely fantastic. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's one of those that I now enjoy actually reading more on my iPad than the print copies because you can zoom in i have to zoom into everything like (laughs) like the picture on the nightstand is is it ice cube or ice tea it's (laughs) i think it was ice cube Cube, i think so i'm not i can't remember but there's all these little things that are throughout and you're like oh my god so yeah it it literally never fails to disappoint Mm -hmm. uh next up nightcrawler number two I'm actually really liking the series, but I can't quite put my finger on why. <laughs> Maybe it's just because it's so old school and fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, Claremont's writing it, so that explains some of that. Mm-hmm. But 
I, but like, I look at the story and I was like, I don't know who any of these characters are. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but it's just a fun read. But we're already invested. So mm-hmm. yeah, again, great writing because we're already invested in these characters. And I think a large part of that has to do with the fact that Kurt's invested and because it means something to him, it means something to us because of our affection for that character. So a friend of a friend becomes a friend and things like that. So it's because of the strength of the character, it really has a huge impact then on what you can get away with for the stories as a whole. And yeah, I'm really, really digging it. I I enjoy it a lot. Mm. I, I am hoping that I'm hoping that in future issues, it does kind of tie back to those few dark moments because of the selling of this old thing kind of thing. So I'm hoping it kind of ties back into that and really plays on the darker aspects of what's going on with him right now. Cause a lot of the stuff right now, albeit, you know, action packed and whatnot is still light in nature. And just to point out, I love the covers on that series too. Yeah. That was a freaking awesome cover. Absolutely fantastic. And I, I've even seen some previews of upcoming covers. And I was like, those, those are some very nice covers. Did you read the United States of uh, murder Inc.? I have not read that one yet. So that's the crew that does powers. So we got Bendis and uh, Oming and, and it shows this is, it could just as well take place in that world kind of thing, except that it's, you know, in the States is run by the mafia, but entirely like it's all character and story driven kind of thing. You're not seeing anybody in spandex in here and it's freaking awesome. It is really, really good. Like, Strong dialogue, strong characters already, kind of leaning a little too much on some stereotypes, you know, mafia, typical mafia stereotypes and stuff, but not entirely, but I, I'm enjoying it. And then I'm looking forward to, again, with the reveals that you see later on and things like that. Again, we're seeing some, some pretty cliched things that we've seen so many times in mob movies. But it's all about what you do with it from here. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to be happening in in future issues of this. Cool. So, yeah. Um, hold on. I'm not done. Not by a long shot. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man number two. I just came out. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I did. <laughs> We're late. Screw it. I read them. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but. Although I did see uh, a couple panels posted of a funny gag with his pants so i approve (laughs) yeah i keep thinking now whenever i see stuff like that any interactions with him when um spider woman is there too and i keep thinking of her when she's saying yeah that's him only he could get into this kind of predicament yeah (laughs) and there's even her little dialogues with spider-man when he brings cookies (laughs) and she's like dang these cookies are amazing i know right (laughs) (laughs) The stuff in here, I I won't spoil anything for you, but the stuff in here with Anna Maria gives me a lot of hope, a lot of hope for what Slot's going to be doing with that character because she's such a strong female character and it's important for us to have as many of those as we can in comics period, isn't it? like, I mean, we were just talking pre-show about some of the conversations that's been going on lately and thoughts on, on different female characters and whatnot. And it's like, 
she's just a fantastic character. She's an incredibly intelligent woman and she's a good foil. She was a good foil for Otto. She's going to be even better with Peter. So the stuff that they're doing with her, seriously digging. And, and Spider-Man and back with Avengers stuff was fun to read as well. Like this was just start to finish really good. I enjoyed it a lot. And the art again, Ramus. Oh God, I would have his baby. (laughs) I love his art so much. It's unbelievable. Um, Amazing X-Men number seven. No, haven't read that one. And that was a tie-in. That, is with, that another uh, new one that came out recently? Yeah, it was a tie-in with, uh, well, not a tie-in, but you see Spider-Man in there with them. So, and it's Peter, Spider-Man. So, not that I don't think there's anything anymore coming out that the, the ship is sailed for auto. So, yeah, it's actually is there? They announced uh, later this year, Superior Spider-Man thirty-two and thirty-three are going to come out. Oh, okay. Well, I remember. When in the story arc where they introduced uh, Miguel and they had the whole like time machine thing blow up and Otto disappeared for a while. Right. Well, 32 and 33 tell the story of what happened and where gotcha. he went. Well, and it ties awesome. in with the uh, the spider, what, the spider verse. Oh. I guess basically they're writing Otto into spider verse oh, and they're explaining how he got there with those two issues. Freaking awesome. So you're going to have Otto teaming up with Peter. That is awesome. That is so awesome. Okay, so I, like I said, I'm not going to go into too much with this, only to say that I frankly wasn't digging the situation. I mean, the situation that they were in, trying to make it so light in terms of what's going on. Again, I don't want to spoil anything in case you do decide to read it. But I just, and the characters just felt out of whack. I, I really, I wasn't digging it. Disappointing. It is. It, it very much is. Uh, Wolvie and his peeps, number four. I still haven't read issue three, so. Yeah, this is, you know, we talked about this when it rebooted, saying it just doesn't feel the same, and it's not as engaging, it's not as point-blank good, and it really isn't. And I am, if it weren't for the fact that it's kind of tying in with stuff that's going on and, and whatnot with, with Wolverine, although I'm at a point where I really don't care about that either anymore. This was just, yeah, you didn't read it. You don't care. I, I, I did not enjoy it. So (laughs) there, so let me just finish with one that I did enjoy. Yeah. Is there anything you did like? I, I like Nightcrawler. I, know, I like I Chew. Know. Shut up. I like Murder, Inc. <laughs> you, you've been downer for the last five minutes. I need some good news. Shang-Chi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> First of all, black and white. Perfect choice. Perfect freaking choice. Art style. Loved it. I see Deadpool and I'm thinking, oh no, but Deadpool is written how Deadpool should be written. It's not about making him so over the top that he's annoying. He's just quirky and the perfect foil for Shang-Chi. This was, this was, even though it's a crazy over the top cannonball run type of scenario which typically i'm not a huge fan of it's got to be done pretty well for me to enjoy it this was a ton of fun i really really love this did we read the same comic you didn't like this no that's not the comic i read 
Well, I'm talking about Shang-Chi. Well, let me just get the cover. Uh, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Yeah, that's Number not the one. new one that just came out. No? What is no, this? No, the new one that just came out was Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Well, what's this one then? Is that maybe a digital comic or something? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. I'll take out this pause. Maybe it's just an old one and I just happened upon it. Maybe. That's probably what it is. But I mean, I'm digging what they're doing with the new Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, though. I didn't read that one then. Damn it. I got the wrong one. <laughs> Man. Okay, well, if, if for anybody who's interested, go back and find it. It was freaking awesome. It was a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this is... Oh, yeah. This is back. You know what? I pulled this out of my freaking digital library. I've got so many that I haven't read yet. Well, we can't talk about the other one yet because I haven't read it. Yeah, 2003. <laughs> no, 2009. Okay. I'm must looking have been a later at a version of it then. Yeah. Man. I See, <laughs> I'm not very good at organizing things. You may have guessed by now. <laughs> I really am not. All right, fine. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to read that comic. <laughs> it's just freaking awesome. It was a ton of fun, like I said. I really enjoyed it a lot. I want to know where it went to from there. <laughs> All right, then. Well, as for this week's new releases, it's actually a relatively slow week uh, from my point of view. From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man number two, which we've already talked about. Electro number two, Magneto number four, Nova number 17, Original Sin number two, and Uncanny X-Men number 21. And Image brings us East of West number 12, Invincible number 111, which is actually going to be a very important issue if you remember our discussion about 110, and Saga number 19. In addition, this weekend is the release of the X-Men Days of Future Past movie. Dude, you could have corrected me at any point. Any point. When I said I was going to go watch it last weekend, you could have said, don't go out. Don't go try to buy a ticket. They'll laugh at you. But you I assumed you would have you know, looked it up. I did. I did. I did not go in person. I looked it up. (laughs) I'm still disgusted that you let it go. And I know you did it on purpose. Maybe I I I gave you too much credit in knowing what week the movie that we scheduled to talk about was going to come out. You feel better now for putting me down? I, Mr. Passive aggressive insults. You brought it up. No, 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 you did (laughs) with your little, (laughs) inference there as you were talking about it i'm just informing our listeners that the movie comes out shut up (laughs) but of special note about that is on our movie podcast popcorn ronin which can be found at popcornronin.com oh that's so staying that is i'm looping that five times we are actually both going to go see the movie this weekend and at the earliest possible opportunity we're going to be recording a podcast with our thoughts which is actually going to be a first to us because we usually talk about old stuff we can watch on netflix and dvds so i'm actually really looking forward to that and i hope you guys are looking forward to what we're thinking about that movie as well yeah oh i can't wait actually the did you watch uh, the daily show that had uh, what's his face the young professor x no it was actually kind of cool some typical daily show stuff where it has nothing to do with the movie. They did talk a little bit about it too. It's like, Oh man, I cannot wait to see it. 
I'm actually really excited. I'm hearing very good things as well. Good. All right, so that's going to wrap us up here. You can find us, of course, at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. So until next week, thanks for listening. 